0: <clears throat> uh <coughs> oh, oh,
1: to our podcast within a podcast pottering around the musical valentine's day message of mangum reads we are three muggles who may or may not ask snape how to brew a love potion my name is sarah i am joined as always by my co-host bj and spencer how are you all doing
0: very much reminded from this chapter how much i hated valentine's day back (laughs) in school least favorite holiday so
2: you know in, in lord of the rings you might have and my axe and in harry potter you have let me sing you a very uncomfortable song on Valentine's Day <laughs> as the Dwarven, uh, call to arms, shall we say. This seems
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we have a few segments that we do here every single week. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, a d- d- rapid fire Cupid bows, d- arrow slashing recap. <laughs>
2: Uh, Tailoring this
0: one Yeah, uh,
1: well, working on it Uh, We Mm. have uh, BJ's Wizard Wheezes Which I'm very excited to see what happens this week Uh, We have some newbie notes from Spencer Uh, We uh, award house points For better or for worse And then uh, there are questions and queries That happen
0: (laughs) (laughs) They do Whether it's wished by all of us or not Whether answers
1: occur or not
0: (laughs) Well, this is a fairly packed enough chapter. You think you can get it done in two minutes? Uh,
1: I I rely on you to keep me accountable, Spencer.
0: That's what I'm here for. And the giant novelty stopwatch, of course. Sure. Well, if you are ready, the timer is ready.
1: Uh, Remind us what the name of the chapter that we're talking about is before I start.
0: (laughs) Chapter 13, The Very Secret Diary, which is christened with a very, as we talked about last episode, a very interesting image of one of these dwarfs in Cupid attire. Perfect. It is very
2: much like a, somebody shows up to a Halloween party dressed as Cupid, but most times works unloading pallets from container ships. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that is really authentic description right there.
1: Seems right. So Harry and Ron are visiting a bewhiskered Hermione in the hospital wing and discover a get well card from Lockhart under her pillow. On their way back to Gryffindor Tower, they find Filch raising hell over a fresh flood of water coming from Myrtle's bathroom. They go to ask her what's going on, and she immediately and aggressively asks if they've come to throw something else at her. Harry retrieves the book, despite Ron's misgivings, but it turns out to be just a blank diary from someone named T.M. Riddle. Ron realizes that's the kid who won the special award for services to the school that he slugged over. Hermione is very excited about the diary and tries to reveal its powers to no avail. They can only figure out that the diary is 50 years old and seems to have been bought in London. Anyway, Harry keeps the thing and we move on. Lockhart decides the school needs a morale boost. Valentine's Day he has decorated the Great Hall and hired a bunch of dwarfs to deliver messages while dressed as Cupid and Harry gets one much to his horror he tries to run and gets caught by the bag which rips and spills ink over everything Malfoy is delighted to be able to hear the poem it seems Harry sent or Jenny sent to Harry uh, Malfoy also tries to take the diary Harry's upset Jenny's upset Percy's upset as always uh, when Harry calms down though he realizes there realizes there isn't any ink on the diary even though everything else was ruined. So he tries writing on it, and it writes back as Tom Riddle. And Tom tells the story of the Chamber of Secrets and how he caught the person who opened it. And by tells the story, I mean drags Harry into the diary to relive it with him. Tom is going to the former headmaster to find out if he can stay at Hogwarts for the summer, but the monster is loose in the castle. So Tom uh, wonders what might happen if the person was caught. So leaving the headmaster's office, Harry follows Tom who runs into a suspicious and much younger Dumbledore and then goes to confront a large boy who seems to be coaxing some sort of animal into a box. None other than Hagrid, the boy, not the animal. Uh, Hagrid vehemently denies it. Tom shoots off a spell at whatever's in the box, which escapes and sends Harry back into the present. Ron runs in and Harry confines what he's learned.
0: Uh, that would be a solid fifteen seconds over. Oh. I'm afraid, based, based on pre-established McGonagall-based rules, that would be fifty points for each five seconds you are over. Uh, Ravenclaw is suffering this week.
1: Oh, it's a bad day.
0: I was going to say the mm-hmm. G Dubs, but okay. <laughs> uh so BJ, what do you got? What do you have for us for Wizard Weezes this week?
2: Um, so I have a disappointment more than an entertaining thing. Um, and and this is much more You? Disappointment? No. For you, Sarah, than anybody else.
1: Oh, for God's sake.
2: Um, this is a question for you. So, how do you feel about the uh, problematic books that were happening? Um, and the, the, uh, the book of sonnets um, Oh my god. Uh, here we are. Sonnets <laughs> of a Sorcerer. Mm -hmm. And if you read it, you spoke in limericks for the rest of your life.
1: That is a thing that apparently happened.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so if I were to write the sentence and it would have been anyone who read *Sonnets of a Sorcerer spoke in iambic pentameter for the rest of their lives. And then it would have been great, hilarious, like a fun line. You could teach your kid about something that they 100% didn't need to know about. Like... All sorts of things.
1: but Yeah, but now we are learning d- d- wrong
2: <laughs> poetic forms.
1: <laughs> Although know. I will say that, you know, I, I am disappointed in this, and I would like for this to be rectified, but I will also say, and this is also a disappointment to me, there is no language arts related course at Hogwarts.
0: Yeah, it's not a complete education
1: No, it's not. We are in a uh, weird version of STEM education. We're in a trade school. They're not
0: familiar
2: with STEAM power, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, we hear before even the Whitney Community, they complain that everybody is way too specialized and doesn't have practical knowledge. And you look at their education like, well, that makes sense. That result seems inevitable when you're not teaching the basic arithmetic at any point in there.
1: Yeah, no, apparently, when you have reached the fifth grade, you've got enough.
2: Pretty much. You're well equipped for life outside of magic at that point. I think it's much more, the world is not equipped for you with magic, so... (laughs) Let's get this done now. Um, But I do have a question for the two of you.
1: Okay. Mm
2: -hmm. Which is, the next book um, that we don't actually get to to get the book title which is very uh monty python um the the funniest joke in the world but it is the book that once you start reading you can never stop reading and you just have to do things one-handed from then on yes if this were to be a thing Mm -hmm. and you vaguely knowingly did this so if there were a book that you basically had to read or reread for the rest of your life Which would it be? And would you choose a Mm. book that you've read before and know that you like, or a new book, because then you get to read at least one new book before you're done forever? (laughs) (laughs) This is Uh,
0: an
1: excellent question, BJ. Go ahead, Spencer.
0: Well, in answer to the second part, I'm totally picking a book I know I enjoy, because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I I only get to read a new book once, and if it turns out that it was a shit new book, God, what hell have I confined myself to? Mm -hmm. Uh, So the answer is that one. As for the book, forever, I mean, this, again, this seems like a curse that you could probably work your way around, just to get a friend to burn the damn thing, but who the hell knows what's going to happen then. It is a curse. Would you just kind re- of keep on imagining the book is there, even if it isn't? Um, I don't know. That's an interesting question about what book I would be content to just read forever. I mean, alright, I mean, just, just to throw out one. Uh, Shogun by James Clavel. I've reread that many times since I was a kid, and enjoyed it quite a bit. It also has the advantage of being like, you know, 1,200 pages, so yeah, it'd be wild to go through it each time
2: okay um i I was kind of thinking and this is something that i these are books that i haven't read but i feel like it'd be very funny um so i was thinking like horn piece is really long i haven't read it i feel like i should it's supposed to be very good um and then the other one which which also fits a lot of those things but also has a i don't know if it's rereadability or lack of readability but there's ulysses sure also, it didn't. It just said book. It didn't specify novel, right? It did say book, and and I was kind of wondering if you
0: were going to go like almanac or something like that. I've I, I, I just re- rethought this. Just the OED, or you know, the massive encyclopedia. <laughs> okay, so the
2: OED have practical it, value. Well, when you say book, I, so but I, you have to be
1: able to carry it around. I would say that a something intrinsic in this sort of spell is the,
2: you have the to, be OED, able to carry it around with you. At least the the version that quote-unquote i have
0: was like 14 volumes so uh, i'm assuming a degree of like tablet connection back to the book but if it's also meant to be a curse they have to carry the thing then yeah that'd be its own you know its own sisyphean burden upon top on top of things sarah sarah you've got one in mind um
1: i'm gonna go within world Ooh. and i'm gonna say uh harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban interesting
0: w- would, would that be your favorite of the series
1: uh it is not actually my favorite of the series <laughs>
0: is the fourth
1: book the goblet of fire but i do feel like i could reread ad nauseum um prisoner of azkaban
0: is that our next one yes it is Ooh, looking forward to it then
1: uh, and i have many pr- books that i objectively like more than prisoner of azkaban mm-hmm. but not that i'm just going to reread obsessively
0: sure uh also bj do your comment about Limericks. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways the fact that it doesn't you know, as would be more appropriate make you speak, speak an iambic pentameter or constantly recite sonnets uh, it w- I felt like if some, if some, the fact that it's a curse means there has to be an element of surprise attached to it, and so someone might intentionally go to that book thinking, oh this would be great, I want to be a Shakespearean actor, this could be useful and then is just stuck repeating things about Nantucket from then on afterwards <laughs> kind of fits more with the curse kind of thing
2: Yeah, I feel like curses aren't Like, the necessity of being surprised is not, like, really a thing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But this does seem like the type of curse, and we encounter these in in the world pretty frequently, where I think that we are dealing with a kind of, like, UBI situation with the wizards where they need a a certain level
2: of interest to keep them involved.
0: (laughs) Alright, good UBI reference there.
2: Fair enough. I, I, it's just like an interesting way of of going about things. So that, that was sort of my, the most... But
1: uh, BJ, what are you reading? Uh,
2: that, that's, well, so I named some books that I, that I considered and and I'm having a really tough time between choosing something that I haven't read and then being horribly disappointed in something that I have read before, and then just sort of reading it ad nauseum. Um, Mm -hmm. and if I were to go with something that I've read before, um, there's a book uh, a wizard, uh, a warlock in spite of himself. And I have read that book probably more than any other book and I actually haven't read it in a while, so I should go back and do it. I thoroughly enjoy the book and, and probably would be fairly happy, uh, doing so. Maybe ad nauseum and okay. beyond apparently because you read it for the rest of your life.
0: Mm-hmm. I was really half, half expecting somebody to plug Spinning Silver there, because.
1: <laughs> I have read it at this point two and a half times, and I am not here to plug in for that. <laughs> it's good,
0: but, you know, not read forever. No. Yeah. All right. Anything else, BG? Um. No, I think that's it. All right. Well, uh, for newbie's Notes, it's interesting to see that medical treatments in this world can take a long time because previously we've seen with Harry the replacement of a noodle arm, reinserting bones, is just done in an evening. But come to think of it now, I was really pondering this, how many weeks and or months have those poor petrified students been just laying in the infirmary now?
1: At least, at least a couple of weeks.
0: Oh,
2: that, that, which reminds me, Spencer. Mm-hmm. So do you think Hermione was just purring with pleasure when she got the get well
0: card? I very much think so, yes. I have to assume this wasn't just strictly cosmetic, given that she also grew a tail. Willing to willing to bet vocal cords may have changed too. <laughs> uh, but that is actually my next my second point is that that Lockhart's an interesting mix of things. That was just a kind of nice gesture they gave to It Clearly made her feel better. It was a nice thing. It still has to be incredibly self absorbed with him listing every one of his titles. Don't think I actually realized he'd won Best Smile three was it three or five times. But yeah, he's very proud of it. And even throwing the holiday, even though it's the worst holiday to celebrate for Valentine's, is, again, he's trying to help people out. It's just, again, incredibly incompetent the way he chooses to go about this, with half-dressed dwarves wandering the halls delivering bad poetry. But it is, again, just seeing the array that is the character of Lockhart, that he clearly wants, at least at times, to do good, or at least appear that he's doing good, or make people feel better. But it has to be wrapped up in his own self-absorption. Uh... As for the Limericks, i like, again, among the various curses we've heard about in this world, that one's not that bad. It would it would take a bit of getting used to, but it might be even entertaining for those around you. You might suffer through it, but even compared to just having to read the book forevermore, Limericks does not seem like the worst thing in the world. So, I am mm-hmm. I really
2: want to know who else has won it, the, the, the Witches Weekly Most Charming Smile Award, mm-hmm. because presumably there aren't that many people to choose from. And then, therefore, only winning it five times is probably hilariously
0: disappointing. It also is perfectly possible that he paid to create this just to have his smile recognized, which that would seem in character.
1: Is this also potentially a a sort of offshoot of the Nebula or Hugo Award?
0: Also very possible, yes. (laughs) Good call. Good call. Uh, You guys dropped a couple weeks back that there would be a riddle here. Uh, I appreciate J.K. Rowling for literally naming the character... Tom Riddle. Mm-hmm. So so people like me would totally know that, oh, this is something I'm going to have to try to parse. Will I be able to parse this? Almost certainly not. I'm guessing the middle name may give me some guidance. Did anyone write that down?
1: It's Marvolo. A, a
0: Marvolo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Tom Marvolo Riddle. I got nothing. Uh, it's interesting how many connections the book is trying to draw between him and Harry. That uh, Harry feels like it's it's some kind of half-forgotten name that's at the back of his memory somewhere. That... Tom Riddle apparently has a similar background in the Muggle world, being, you know, an orphan, living in an orphanage. Mm-hmm. even have somewhat similar appearance. Uh, their word choices, their response to things, their similar jet black hair. There's a lot of parallels that are being drawn between these two characters, which I'm guessing should give me a frame of reference to know who the hell this is, especially since I'm getting introduced to other characters throughout the back of the little flashback that I do know, but I don't. I mean, it could well be somebody... in. I guess, in maybe Harry's family, but it doesn't seem to be his dad. It doesn't seem to match any comparison to, like, you know, other jet black characters like Snape. So, I don't know. I mean, I, Tom is just trying to make his way in the world that he doesn't really
2: understand, and just figuring out who he is, and, and Harry really connects
0: with that. It's a, a similar kind of hero's little story that they're going through. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's interesting to note that he is of um, Sun-like, Harry. He, What's the term? He's a mixed muggle uh, magic background. Does that actually have a, a phrase for it?
1: Uh, well, I don't know if it, there is an official phrase for it, but Seamus Finnegan calls it half and half.
0: <laughs> that works. Happy to, happy to go with that. Because I, I think mudblood, we've heard before, is strictly muggle-born.
1: Yes. Also not a great term to throw about in the world. <laughs> right.
2: Is, is there a term there. like coconut or banana? <laughs>
1: uh not as far as i know
0: <laughs> this is also one of the chapters that just again reaffirms to me that ron is a moron that when you find a book like this that has been seemingly shoved into a toilet that seems integral to all things his default response is oh we can't tell what it is right away Hey, eh, should burn it throw it away clearly it's not in any way plot relevant or he's a pyro like <laughs> sure. at that age very possible At the same time, Hermione's long list of assumptions about how this book is going to be integrally important to the plot is a profound list of assumptions, unless she's aware that she's in a story and Chekhov's gun is the thing. (laughs) Also, she's probably 100% right. The book's going to be the driving force of everything, as we've kind of already seen before this chapter is done.
1: So, Spencer, I would like you to put a pin in both of those
0: points. Ron being an idiot and Hermione engaging in assumptions?
1: Uh, well, just,
2: yes, sure. Well, don't put um, a pin <laughs> in
0: Ron being an idiot. That's, that, that doesn't need
2: reassessment.
1: That is, both of those is going, are, are going to sort of progress throughout. I mean, specifically their particular reactions to this book.
0: Okay. Keeping a note of that one for later. Okay. Uh, the poem that Harry gets is not good. Also, uh, I said you...
1: poem in my recap and it should have been
2: song.
0: Oh god, I, yeah. I guess it is sung by this little, by this dwarf, isn't it? Yes. Uh, just,
2: just really imagine it done by by like the
0: penguin, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> but at any point when you're trying to deliver a you know love song to a beloved, comparing their eyes to a fresh pickled toad, it doesn't scream romance. Maybe in this magical setting where fresh pickled toads are just a regular part of the thing you order in the store.
1: Yeah, but. I was gonna say that this does seem like a very Hogwarts-specific metaphor.
0: It, sure, simile, I, mean, I
1: suppose. Really,
0: I, mean, I, I suppose a lot of the references. That, well, a lot of the references in this four-line poem: "Fresh pickled toads <laughs> from potions." Uh, "Blackboard" is the other is the other one. Mm-hmm. It, this is very Hogwarts-specific. Uh, and thank you for just confirming uh, the text did strongly imply this was Jenny who wrote this, but seems like you're confirming that it is indeed her.
2: I don't think it was. Alright, at least I didn't read that
0: into it.
1: Okay.
0: Or did did it confirm that? I it, it's Jean strongly suggest, I mean, particularly her reactions once people start reacting to it.
1: Yeah, I suppose it is not like a hundred percent confirmed. Um, but I, I have certainly always assumed that it was based on, and not just based on my sort of shipping, but based on the text <laughs> that is happening. Um, You're but shipping. You,
2: yes. That's you. You can't. Do, like, that doesn't...
0: Anyway, okay. <laughs> yeah. this, is the Harry po- this is the Harry Potter fandom, sir. Yes, they can ship it.
2: Yeah, but like... You...
0: Anyway, well, we, we can discuss this this
2: off-pod uh, about how shipping works, but...
1: <laughs> Fine, who did you... But who did you... If you did not think I that it was, it was from I assumed it was Jenny. Lockhart. Oh, that's insane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that Lockhart Oh, this is buying into the theory you've had before about Lockhart and Harry's relationship. All right, Sarah, why is it
1: insane?
2: <laughs> because Lockhart is too narcissistic to do any such thing. <laughs> but how else are you going to have everybody talking about Valentine's Day and the things that are going on, which is like essentially the thing that you created faster? Everybody
1: was already talking about it. You're, you just really
2: want Jenny to be the
0: one to do this.
1: <laughs> no. it's, also, it's not
0: Lockhart, otherwise he would work a reference to himself in there.
1: Precisely.
0: Fair enough. All right. Uh, The diary is an interesting, very interesting concept that I'm going to have questions about, because it reminds me of like a Star Wars holocron, where this thing seems to be vaguely sentient. It seems to be able to interact with other people, which, again, raises the questions about does everything become alive when you put magic into it in this world? Is it merely following a script to a certain degree, or or is it actually part of the consciousness of Tom Riddle put into this book? I don't know. I could be grilling Sarah on this subject here in a moment.
1: Well, you you can grill me on this subject, but this is one of those subjects that I am going to say we'll learn more about that later.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it also raises questions about whether it's one hundred percent accurate. Because yes. Even some aspects of it don't seem to you know square. Uh, I mean, like it says that I was forced to hide the truth and this was all covered up. I was like, well, maybe, but why? I mean, if you're You publicly expelled Hagrid for this. It clearly wasn't all covered up. Presumably there was a reason that he was expelled that was associated with this. Presumably an aspect of the blame got put upon him. So what truth are you really hiding at this point? (laughs) All good questions, Spencer. (laughs) Yep. So yeah, Uh, did we know Hagrid's first name or last name or what is Rubius?
1: Rubius is his first name. Uh, and we might have known it. I'm not entirely sure. I think, and I'm, I, I don't know if this was a movie thing or a movie and book thing, but at some point he introduces, not at some point, when he first meets Harry in the shack on the rock in the middle of the sea, uh, he mm. introduces himself as Rubius
2: Hagrid.
0: I also have a vague inclination that Dumbledore occasionally calls him that, but not
2: sure. Maybe. Yeah, when he's upset at him <laughs> and, and, and makes up a middle name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> previous T. Hagrid. Uh, it's in. Based on the description of this thing, uh, this creature, for one, it's big. I mean, this. this How. From the description you guys got of this, how big did you imagine this thing to be? Cause I'm picturing bigger than dog sized, at least. Snark?
1: Yeah, approaching human sized.
0: Yeah. Boojum. What'd you say? If Boojum be a snark? Oh, God. Uh,. <laughs> It is, from its description, a mix between insect-like or maybe arachnid-like. I'm definitely getting spider vibes from it. Like, this is a mini-Shellob that's somehow appeared in the halls of of, uh, Hogwarts. Uh, It's interesting to have this description of whatever Hagrid had. It, by its nature, I'm not sure how this would be paralyzing people. I mean, they think they would note if there had been injection or bite wounds on them, if that was the paralyzing agent that's normally associated with spiders. So... I don't know of any mythological reason or magical reason by which a spider would be paralyzing people without some degree of injection, Um, but spiders do seem to be involved in whatever is going on. We've frequently seen spiders fleeing the scene of the crime whenever something goes down, out of windows, wherever else. It's one of the most universal traits that's been assigned to this, as well as windows and doors being open when it happens. Mm -hmm. So whatever Hagrid did or was involved in... Clearly has some connection to events, but it doesn't seem like it's actually the cause. Though it seems like he may have been blamed for it back in the day. Which, again, unless there was a cover-up in how he was expelled, which again, he's publicly expelled. How can you just cover that up? Why isn't this all more public knowledge?
2: Has anybody why is... been expelled from a school that you've gone to? Yeah. Did you know about, like,
0: exactly what and why? Some of them in the news times, yeah. Hmm. You had interesting schools then. Um, It it seems like there'd be at least a record of this, or at least a degree of shared knowledge passed down about it. Or, you know, maybe even Hagrid would have talked about it at some point. He's not really good at keeping his mouth shut about anything. So the mysteries associated with this, the claims of suppressed truth, all are odd and lead me to in some ways question whether this account we're getting, this flashback to the past, is third-person omniscient or very much through the lens that this Tom Riddle book wants us to have. <laughs> but those are my notes. Questions to follow. But I think we have to do house points before that.
1: Yes, we do have to do house points. So um, there were a lot of things that happened
2: in this chapter. So it, is Hermione failing part of this chapter or the previous one? Or is it a continuing? Well, I think that we
1: did, we did say in the last chapter that she was the loser of the house points, given where she ended up at the very end of last chapter. I'm not sure that we can say the same thing about her in this chapter. Although she's not necessarily doing what she wants to do, but she does have homework delivered to her, which seems great for and her. And she
0: does have that go, get well card.
1: Uh, yeah, I think she does okay in the chapter.
0: I mean, she also apparently delivers a, uh, a love letter to Lockhart, too. So, yeah, Hermione's, com- Hermione's succeeding in what she wants to succeed in over the course of this chapter.
1: Yeah, she's doing okay.
0: Not um, pussyfooting around.
1: Oh, Oh, <laughs> boy.
0: <laughs> the puns, dear God, the puns.
1: <laughs> um, Hermi- or uh, Harry seems to have an upsetting chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, d- d- given both the sort of immediate situation of
2: having a poem sung to him in the middle of yes. classes,
1: and then uh- all of his. Things ripped apart and ink on everything except for the diary, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then mm-hmm. he has to go sort of apparently discover that Hagrid has been a part of this plot from the beginning.
2: Mm-hmm. So I will put forth Jenny as a houseplant loser just because.
1: Oh boy. Because,
2: ooh. Like, admittedly, oh. Harry, Harry is embarrassed, but like, not on but the everybody same. everybody knows it's Jenny yeah
0: they totally do they're all joking about it because they know it's totally her only harry has Except any doubts about this D- D-
1: harry and, and you bj <laughs> have doubts about this
0: sir would you use this poem as an example of why they need a basic english course at this school <laughs> just to assist them for these kind of efforts and expressing their emotions
1: i would in fact and i would tie that into into the idea that like a, they have to figure out precise language to describe what they are doing to be able to implement the spells that they want to do. But also, B, really, as we have talked about the Ministry of Magic going up to this point, the entire magical world is a PR campaign. Mm
0: hmm. <laughs> it is.
1: And this is entirely linguistically and language and sort of narratively driven. And it is. Mm-hmm irresponsible i would say for a school of the caliber of hogwarts to not be teaching a sort of class on spin
0: <laughs> okay it wasn't exactly where i thought you were gonna go with that but yeah okay i understand that too
2: i mean what else is a wizard
0: but messaging
1: not much really
0: <laughs> it's also a circumstance too of where it seems like you know spells aren't being discovered as often as maybe they could be if people could express themselves better Most most of these spells are done through language. It's like, huh, if I had a better knowledge of both the English language or apparently Latin, I might just randomly start discovering things. Sure, yeah, if you just... (laughs)
1: Just start speaking Latin words out loud. See what happens. I don't know. Hold the stick while you're doing so.
0: And now we just realized why they don't (laughs) teach people language. Because, God, that could be disastrous if that's how magic is actually done. They don't want people actually mixing three words together because the universe might end.
2: So I would say that Lockhart might be a big winner.
0: Eh,
2: sure. Yeah, it's a public event.
1: I think that's probably fair also a lot of people were talking about him which he
2: really likes he basically had his only mostly successful in everything
0: that he did chapter hmm?
1: that's true i don't think we ever got a sort of like he did something specifically bad in this chapter
0: i also very much enjoy that he, apparently he got this event scheduled arranged and prepped with all of the other teachers opposed to it but forced to go along with it <laughs>
1: no <laughs> there, one <laughs> much none to of them their chagrin <laughs> So particularly, mm-hmm. Go ahead.
0: I said particularly since he's strongly suggesting that people start sending them, you know, valentines too. They be involved in the process. Not great. How many valentines do you think Hagrid sent out?
2: <laughs> Following your ship, one to McGonagall. Okay, so no, he 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 is okay, I'm going to go blue maybe for the first time on this Pottering Around podcast but he's sleeping with like half of the professors and is clearly doesn't really care about what gender or species they particularly are like it is not just McGonagall
0: I am now concerned I've not been reading the same book (laughs) (laughs) because apparently there's a monstrous amount of subtext I've not been picking up on
1: (laughs) There has been some flirtation, I might say. Uh, but I think that m- we might want to wait until the fourth book until we get into specifics.
0: Again, is there a Cinemax version of Harry Potter that I've not been reading? Come on, guys. <laughs> what, what What is this going to transition into? Harry Potter and the Wands of Wonder. I don't know enough to know if that's a book or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: assuming not. Uh, Harry Potter after Defense Against the Dark Arts. Okay. Okay. Um so who what might we put forward for losers of this chapter?
2: I think Harry is basically the big loser in pretty much every chapter other than like the, the end. The very ones. last yeah. chapters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean Hermione's right. in a shitty position because she's a cat, but like that hasn't really changed <laughs> and it's only gotten better since last chapter.
0: Yeah
1: and she gets to sit around doing homework which seems to be right. her main objective.
2: And and Ron doesn't ever. Ron doesn't get any dumber this chapter. So like eh.
1: so that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Harry is a good choice as we kind of pointed out uh Jenny is a Jenny, Jenny is a good choice.
0: I'm, I'm voting for Jenny here. That she hey. got publicly humiliated in the hallway. This is now a persistent rumor that she is never going to go away. This is middle and high school. This is going to hound her for years. Um yeah this, this seems like this seems like a a bad day but it's going to be a long series of bad days to follow
1: especially on the heels of her not feeling particularly well doing particularly well with the whole chamber of secret situation to begin with mm-hmm. I think that's probably true so I think that we can we can reliably say that Jenny is the loser of house points in this chapter Uh I kind of like the idea of Lockhart coming out on top in
2: this chapter. I mean, he is successful in everything that he does this chapter, which-
1: Which is our metric.
2: And also- And I say our by meaning me. me.
1: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's true. Lockhart had a, I mean, people were annoyed with him, but that's-
2: Lockhart has no (laughs) idea that that
0: that happened.
1: Absolutely (laughs) fair. (laughs)
0: I mean, I guess Lockhart's following the logic of older games that if the net room has enjoyment, it's okay if one person isn't having fun. And that seems to be how he's devised this holiday, is that totally going to embarrass one or two people, but everybody else is going to have a blast with that.
2: I mean, if you go by that,
0: Lockhart always has a positive
2: chapter, because he enjoys what he does more than everybody else
0: in the room hates what he does. mm Mm-hmm. That's that is he very wins. true. I think it's always coming up heart. I also just thought to myself that when Fred and George find out about this little poem that Jenny wrote, oh, dear God, they're right? never going to stop saying that.
1: No one is off limits for Fred and George. <laughs> no one. Mm. So, uh, questions?
0: Uh, are We've not heard of dwarfs being a species before. Are these short humans or are dwarfs their own species?
1: I, Spencer, I'm going to... You and all the thing here. This is the first and last time we hear of dwarves.
0: Okay, so we don't know. Because previously we've referenced you know, a lot of species that have been consistently harkened back to. This one just seems to come out of nowhere.
1: This seems to be a sort of specifically Lockhart based thing. <laughs> it's a flash in the pan. Okay. I like Lockhart. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so we can't, can't really say either way. Gotcha. Mm-hmm.
2: So. I have a question about ghosts. Okay. Where does the, uh, ectoplasm versus solid matter border lie? Because when Myrtle cries, Mm -hmm. it creates a mess.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: But when you throw things at her, Mm -hmm. nothing Mm -hmm. happens. And so like, there's the whole poltergeist thing, which, you know, we can kind of sweep under a rug, but like Myrtle is creating liquid. And it presumably has some, therefore, some vague interaction with the physical world.
0: And remember that yeah. nearly headless Nick was propelled by air as the hoverboard that he became.
1: Yeah. So I would, your question is not wrong, but I would, I would, sh- I would shift the locus of the question to another place that I also cannot answer the question. Um, I would say that I I think my understanding of what Myrtle is doing is not necessarily that she is particularly crying and water appears, but she controls the plumbing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah, she's overflowing it to represent her tears.
1: I think that that's true. Now I do not, given that clarification, I do not have a better answer on what the 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 dividing line between. Uh, the sort of ghost and human world actually is. So, but I, I think, do think that that is an important uh, distinction to make.
2: Yeah, I guess the affecting machinery is sort of an accepted, like, poltergeisty thing. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, if she's mm-hmm. crying and then tears are just coming out of her face, that's a little bit... <laughs> well, that doesn't make any sense. Sure, I mean, yes. You know, w- when Itchy turns Scratchy into a xylophone and hit the same rib twice... Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Spencer, what are you th- gonna do? Yeah, that—that that was my my uh,
0: main question for for the chapter. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Tom Riddle's diary. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've not really heard about these kind of live books or diaries before. Uh, it's not really been referenced. This is a regular thing. Is this a kind of unique artifact, or is this something that's more common in the Wizarding world? Just that Harry's not really exposed to it.
2: You may say it's marvelous. In oh, Christ. <laughs>
1: um i would say that there is a at the end of this book there is a coalescing around the idea that maybe things like this exist in the world i would say it is a little bit of a spoiler but i think that one is accepted that this spoiler is acceptable in the response to your question that we find out that this artifact is unique in the world
0: okay because it. it does meet a lot of the criteria for being alive or at least Mm -hmm. being highly interactive and even engaging in terms of it being to influence reality around our character. Uh, So it's not only a magical artifact, it's able to in itself practice magic to a certain degree. And that
1: that is, I think you're you're right. That is the kind of differentiation because we have talked a little bit earlier in this podcast about kind of curses and what, what they are and what the criteria is and blah, blah, blah. Um, And I think that the general assumption about this book is that it is a cursed object in some way.
2: It is no rat snuff box.
1: It is no rat snuff box. It is not a transmogrified. It is it is cursed in some way. Uh, and while we get arguments at the end of the book that this is that this is that, I think that we see to your point, Spencer. Some some. Um, Characteristics of this book that suggest that it is something other than that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it also seems very much like this book is being left as a trap, or at least something very intentional for them to find. Because if you wanted to dispose of this book, pushing it down Moaning Myrtle's toilet seems like the dumbest way to do that. Instead, it seems like they're very pointedly putting this where Harry, Ron, and Hermione have been known to be. Have just been practicing magic. So. This... Whoever, quote-unquote, disposed of this seems like they did it in a way that they wanted somebody to find. Probably Harry in particular. They're just whetting which... your appetite, Spencer.
1: <laughs> you are you are both very right and very wrong in this, Spencer.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's my life embodied right there. <laughs> All right, well, I'm curious to see how it
2: plays out. Other questions? Um, I think that's, that's it for this chapter. I mean... Perfect. I'm sure we'll come up with more with the... Uh, subsequent chapter um, as we always do Um, but yeah as always this was fun
1: yeah this was great y'all
2: with my kindle having shut off what is our next chapter i am just flipping over there to find out um and it is uh cornelius fudge
0: does that name sound familiar do i know that person um i think it's a dessert imagine you're fucking with me but i can never really tell (laughs) (laughs) Alright, till then everybody.